Welcome to this topical life. Real conversation, real exploration, real life stories. A discussion about life, cause life ain't a vacation. And now, here's your host, Tiffany Murphy. Hello and welcome to This Topical Life. If you are listening, you are listening to part three of a three-episode thing. And um, we've got a very special guest because you know all our guests are special, but Heather Rose. You know you've been wanting to hear from her because we've heard from Ben for two weeks um, and a lot of us are like, okay, that's great, Ben, but what about the woman behind the scenes enduring and um, and the woman who has stuck by you and just been that strength that you that Ben has definitely acknowledged. And so, so excited to have Heather here. I know you guys are probably anxious to hear about what she has to say about everything. But um, Heather, I am so glad that you came today and that we're here talking and, um, you know, just like you guys listening, um, a lot of this is first time with me just sitting down with Heather and picking mm-hmm. her brain and just all that kind of stuff. So enough about talking about that Heather. Yes. Um, so let's start where, you know, your husband, your, your husband sits down with you after you had almost planted a church here in Oregon, Portland, you mm-hmm. had just moved here, um, at that time at like, what now? What you had just moved here in Portland. Yep. And we had been in Portland in our new home and our new little community for about seven months, seven months. Mm-hmm. And then a week before the church that you guys had planted, mm-hmm. um, you got the worst news ever. Yeah. So what was, yeah, that? it was actually, it was a Wednesday. Okay. And we had our official launch day the next Sunday. <laughs> so it was really just four days, five days. Um, We had obviously been building this team of people for our church for a while. So it was our community over the last seven months. Um, Yeah. So I actually, I just want to tell you, thank you for having me. Yeah. I love, love, love sharing our story. And I love getting to share my side. Um, A lot of times, you know, Ben is actually a professional communicator. He's just really good at it. And the Lord made him that way. He likes to talk. Um, And I am learning and growing into using my own words. And so um, I'm excited to be here to get to share my side. I love to share it. But Ben definitely shares his side more often. So this is really special for me. So yeah, here we are. It's seven months into being new to the state of Oregon. I'm from Alaska, born and raised. I'm a Alaskan. Yeah. (laughs) Were you raised in the same area that Ben was? I was, yeah. Okay. Okay. So y'all met. Mm-hmm. I don't, what, in high school? No. No, it was actually after high school, which is weird because it's a small town and right. we did not really know each other in high school. Okay. Um, And we met after high school at church. Okay. Um fell in love he actually pursued me for a while this is funny and yeah before, tell us the juice <laughs> before I realized what he was doing and so it, it took a while for him to be like hey Heather I actually I really like you and I'm like what really so yeah did you know <laughs> you. um uh, that he liked me yeah no really? I you had no like I just thought he was a really nice guy uh-huh. and he was nice to all the girls it turns out oh, he was just really nice to me. Got it. Yes, I get that. <laughs> so I was just kind of naive in that way. But um, I think I was only 18. So right. We got married when I was 20. Well, we all felt a lot older at 18. That's true. So I pretty much knew everything. Yeah. At 18, yeah. Except for that. And then <laughs> after 18, me. you start knowing less and less and less. <laughs> yes. 
gosh. Now I realize there's very oh little gosh. I understand. Right, right. Which is good. Which is good because yes. it keeps keeps life interesting. Yeah, keeps us humble. Yes. Okay, well. Okay. So back to the story. Mm-hmm. Here I am in Oregon, seven months. Um, we've been just pouring our life out, our heart out, and just our main focus is planting this church and loving on people. And um, I knew this was the desire of my husband's heart to lead a church. Um, we knew that God had actually called us to this and asked us to do mm-hmm. this. And I had prayed hard about moving because like yeah. I said, I was born and raised there. I loved that town. Right. still do. Um, and all the people in it and it was a big step of faith, but um, I think that's actually important to know is that I knew that we were where we were supposed to be in right. Oregon. I knew that this was the right place. Um, I also knew in those seven months that Ben was struggling. He was just um, stressed. He was not himself. He was mean. Mm-hmm. Um, he was distant, even more distant than he had been before. And I just thought it was due to the stress of planting a church and, and the move and just new environment um, and some pressures or whatever. So, sure. um, you know, I had a lot of prayers of just God help my husband, help me to um, love him right, help me to help him in any way I can, you know. And so I, I knew that there was something going on. And so on that day where he, it was an evening and, um, my aunt lives in town, which is wonderful. And she had our kids cause they were little at the time. So she had babysat for us, which was really nice. Um, so that he could confess to me without any distractions. And I didn't realize that's what we were doing, but that was the date we were on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> what a date. Yeah. <laughs> we're about ready to get real. Um, yeah. which is good. Yeah. So he, he confesses to me and he tells me this and, um, you know, in that moment there, it's so crazy how you can have so many thoughts all at once so many things swirling around emotions, but I felt relieved. Honestly, my very first reaction was one of uh, relief. Like I understood, okay, that's what's going on. Yeah. You kind of had, you know, in a back, in the backstory of what led up to this moment, you know, you guys are great friends. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you weren't not sexually active. You were actually the opposite. I mean, it was just normal, you know, in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and then you, so, but you felt this um, disconnect, which Mm -hmm. I think is huge to, well, I think we'll talk more about that as we unfold this, but, um, so it's interesting that you felt relief. I mean, in the end, it's like, because nothing in your other part of your marriage was off. Right. Yeah. So I was relieved, but I was totally shocked because you're right. Nothing else was off. It was like we were linked arm in arm to plant this church. We had the same similar focus. Um, I, you know, we actually really like each other and, and share a ton of similar interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, we're very connected and, and we were intimate um, in a lot of different ways. But I could sense that there was, you know, something going on and there was a disconnect. And to be honest with you, um, I felt that all through our marriage at different seasons. Um, it was for sure heightened once we moved to Oregon, there was this disconnect and this like, um, gap between us that was so hard to put my finger on to the point where I wouldn't have even probably said that to him. I thought I would have definitely just thought it was me feeling disconnected, but I, but I, I knew that there was something going on and, um, you know, as it turns out, the reason we I felt disconnected was it was pornography. It was an addiction to pornography that he had had 
like he shared, you know, since he was eight years old, and a struggle and a secret that he just had hidden inside um, that I had no clue about. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like this is important to share about pornography in our marriage and we were youth pastors. And so I knew that pornography was bad. I knew that, you know, it was a temptation for people. I knew it was something to tell the youth to stay away from like drugs, you know, don't do drugs, don't do pornography, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I didn't understand that when Ben would say to me, you know, in our marriage, there were a handful of times where he would go to take a nap and he had a laptop and he would say, Hey babe, just so I'm not tempted, would you take my laptop? And I, I, think back to those moments. And I think that those were cries for help, but I had no understanding of what that meant. Right. And I feel like, um, just as a woman, and this is not a blanket statement. I know that there are some women who have dealt with pornography for sure. Mm -hmm. It is not just gender specific to men, but uh, for me as a female, that was not my tendency. Mm -hmm. Um, I mind I I veered on far on the other side. I actually had to embrace my sexuality and embrace my femininity and just be really confident and bold with that. And the Lord has taken me on that journey. Um, even further after Ben's confession. But at that time in our life and in our marriage, we had been married almost 10 years at this point of his confession. And there was this secret sin of pornography. And I, when he would say, take my computer, I might be tempted. I was like, Oh, thanks, babe. You know, praise God. (laughs) Yeah. Good job. Way to tell me the truth. And sure. I'll take your laptop and what a mighty man of God he is to not put himself in temptation. Well, if he's tempted, that means he's doing it. Right. That means he's had an issue in the past. I just, I didn't know. I didn't have a context for what that meant. I, um, you know, pornography, whether you are religious or not, it, its goal is to steal intimacy from a person. Mm -hmm. Its goal is to be intimate with you when by design, that's what your spouse is meant for. Yeah. Whether you believe in God or not, Mm -hmm. that's the reason you get married to a person, right? Is so you can be be with them. Like you're mine, I'm yours. We're together. We get to share all the things. Well, and that brings up an interesting point too, that I want to go back to with the whole, um, what you felt was distant. Mm -hmm. That goes back to what was sex created for? Mm -hmm. You know, like when you look at, um, you know, when I'm telling my kids, wait, you know, what is it used for? Like, cause you look mm-hmm. at relationships and, and then, you know, they break up and it's like just awful or, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, there's a connection that happens and it's almost undescribable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's felt and it's, you know, um, my friends and I joke around like, um, like with sex, you know, and the opposite way, like you were having sex, like some women, it's like, I don't want to have sex, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. or that kind of thing. And then I know this is kind of a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I feel like I should say it is that um, I'll say to my friend, wow, I just had miracle sex. And that is <laughs> sex where you're like, you didn't, you're not getting along with your husband really, but you know, you kind of need that connection. What mm-hmm. is it about that connection that you need? You can't put it into words, right? You can't. That's and true. then we say miracle sex because somehow we had sex and it's great and it's like we're moving on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like your marriage went from a low to a high like in a matter of <laughs> I don't know how long it takes, but <laughs> right. you know what I mean? And so back to what you felt for so long missing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there is an intimacy. You can't talk yourself out of it. Mm-mm. Like Ben not wanting it to be in that position and and maybe justifying it in some ways 
-hmm. Like it's not taking, you know, no, I'm, I'm having intimate time with my wife. Right. What was it that was lacking? Do you see? It's just this Christian or not. I'm telling you, it's Mm -hmm. like, there's something there. Yeah. So anyway, I felt like, I don't know, maybe whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love sex. I love love rabbit trail. Uh, Yeah. Rabbit trail. Um, Right think, back to what you were saying. Yeah. What were you saying? Sorry. Oh. Oh, this is good. No, I was talking about pornography and his confession because right. he confessed to that because that was news to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I felt shocked. I felt relieved. I felt um, sad. I was overwhelmed. I knew that our life was about ready to drastically change Mm -hmm. because for us with pastoring a church pornography and sexual um you know issues addiction is what it was I mean that's a sin and that is not something that your spiritual leader does and we were spiritual leaders of this church and he was engaging in these activities and I was like our life is over (laughs) yeah everything that we thought we were going to do now is done And um, I was sad about that. I definitely, in our healing process, decided to just give that up. I was like, you know what? That doesn't matter, actually. If I ever pastor a church again, that's not really what life is about. Our life is more about us being healthy, our family being healthy. um, And then we can work on maybe impacting people if the Lord allows. But it was really a dramatic shift because, you know, and Ben shared, I'm sure, but it was more than pornography because it starts with pornography. That's where the door is open. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when the timing is right, the the chain is yanked further and further. Like the lust that Ben talks about, it lust never pushes back and says, all right, I'm full. I'm done. Yeah. Lust just keeps going and going and growing. And it turns nastier and nastier and nastier. And so that's what was going on in his life. And I was so sad that he was having to deal with that by himself. Because here's my best friend. Yeah. The one I've chosen to do life with. The one I have, we have just we did everything we shared everything together and um and i didn't know that he was struggling so bad you know i don't know i listened to the first podcast mm-hmm. and i will listen to the second one when you release it at this point you haven't yet um and i just remember him telling a story of after he visited one of the adult establishments and he just was wrecked with guilt and shame and i mean the enemy of our soul you know the devil Mm-hmm. We believe he drags you away, like he entices you with this sin. Mm-hmm. And you have a choice. And Ben said, sure, I'll take the sin. And so, you know, and that was at eight years old. It just the door opened there. But drug him along. And he, it began to build a pathway in his brain. So he was triggered. So he tells the story of being at this adult establishment and walking away from it afterwards, just hating himself. So the devil entices you to it, and then he comes back after you've done it and and torments you over it, right? Yeah. So he says, hey, go do it, and then you do it. And he's like, you idiot. You're a jerk. You're horrible. You're awful. And so that's what Ben was dealing with. And then his own personal guilt and, and just conviction of like, I cannot believe I'm doing that. That's not what I wanted to do. But yet there was this pathway in his brain that had been established over years and years and years of this pornography, and then the door being open. Um and the lust being able to just drag him, drag him, drag him, drag him. And so he tells the story of the after, I think it was the last time he's driving home and he's yelling and crying and he's screaming and just wanting to drive the vehicle off the road and just die. And I'm just thinking to myself when he tells me this, I'm like, I am your friend. 
Yeah. I'm your spouse. I'm your closest confidant. And I didn't know that you are in this total hell. You know, that your life is a living hell right now. And I'm clueless. And I shouldn't say I was totally clueless. Like I said, I felt that disconnect. You felt the gap, but I you couldn't put words to the... No. And I, I, but I knew he was dealing with something. I just didn't know what it was. And, and I was praying and asking God, help him, help him, help him, help him, help him. And so meanwhile, behind the scenes, the Lord really was helping him and causing him to confess. And so with the confession and, and all of this context, I want you to understand kind of where my heart was at at this point. Um, I was so relieved and so thankful that he didn't have to hide anymore. And he wasn't all by himself with this sin, with the yeah. secret. Do you think you were most... Um, hurt by the fact that he didn't tell you? Uh, yes, there was. Yeah. So because that was another like layer. Like, Why are you not telling me you're my yeah. best friend? Like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know that he would have known how to tell me. Yeah. And I don't know that I would have known the right questions to pull it out of him. Mm-hmm. But I did struggle with this thought that our 10 years have been a lie. Mm. So there was this temptation for me to think everything has been a lie. Because you've been lying to me about this. What else are you lying to me about? You know? Um, and so through counseling and just a community of people around us to support us, um, I was able to discover, you know, and, and talk about some of that stuff and not go far down in my mindset of that because that's not true. Not everything was a lie. Um, with this sexual sin and with this pornography addiction and with this lust that was dragging him away. This is an addiction. Mm-hmm. This was not because I was a bad wife or because I wasn't attractive enough or because I wasn't connected enough. It, it literally has had nothing to do with me. It was as if he was addicted to cigarettes, right? Like that wouldn't be my fault, right? It's an addiction. Yeah. And it's a pathway in his brain and a habit developed in his body and in his mindset and in his spirit that I didn't have control over. And it wasn't my fault that it had started. Absolutely. So um, now that's easy for me to say. Obviously, I had to sort through all those emotions and feelings of of feeling responsible and being hurt. I mean, it's betrayal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he betrayed me. He went back on our marriage vows and he was looking at other women. That was not what we agreed upon. Yeah. You know? Right. And that's not what I thought was going on. And um, so it hurt. Yeah. A lot of mixed emotions there. Yeah. Like feeling bad for him, but yeah. also feeling pissed at him. Oh, yeah. Feeling bad for him, feeling pissed at him. Did you feel like, you know, and, and then when you're gathering that community and you're having to tell people that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, was that hard too? Like, I want to talk more about how you got through it, but also just when it first broke the mm-hmm. news, you know, how did you feel about telling other people? I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't Were tell you just him. like, I, he just had to do it. And I feel like that actually is probably the best thing uh-huh. is his story to tell. And I was so embarrassed. Mm. I was so embarrassed. Um, because while I knew it wasn't my fault, I felt like other people might think it was my fault. They might assume, oh, she's not putting out. Right. Have you ever heard um, Dr. Laura Schlesinger? I think she does radio. I've uh, heard years it. ago. She wrote books. She wrote a book called The Proper Care and Feeding of Husbands. And oh, gosh. Oh, I God. have a feeling that I'm not going <laughs> to. You're not going to like this. <laughs> I uh. It kind of ruined me. But I, to be fair, I mm-hmm. probably only read sections of the book. I probably didn't read the whole thing. Right. So she might have. quite entice you. Yeah. She might have laid it out better. And I only chose little pieces. But it was basically take care of your husband. 
He's a, he's a man. He's an animal. If you feed him sex, he won't go other places. And so there was a piece of me that was taking care of my man and taking care of myself. So like, I'm going to make sure I don't totally let myself go and I, I'll put makeup on and dress nice most of the time. Um, I won't wear the worst pajamas to bed. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I definitely right. wasn't in lingerie all the time. But <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and so, but it, it like built this weird pressure mm-hmm. and almost a performance. Mm. So you had that, that feeling of you had a performance before this happened? Or after? Yeah. Oh, before. So, okay. Which is interesting. I'm not sure why I got off on this. That's tangent, interesting. But- well, it's a tangent. It's let's, <laughs> let's do this tangent. Let's, let's do this. Okay. <laughs> so I, so I, okay. This will ha- actually help to explain some of the disconnect mm-hmm. and why it actually went on for so long. Okay. For the 10 years. Um, you know, obviously it was sin and him feeling like right. to keep well, a secret. His, it's his choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was keeping a secret. He didn't know how to confess. He didn't know he could confess. Now I didn't have any of the tools or, or any way to ask the questions, but then I was not a good communicator. I myself am introverted. I'm a bit more, I'm a slower internal processor. Mm-hmm. And I'm also very like fiercely independent, which is not always positive. So I've been growing and working on that and being, um, you know, not codependent, but just better at leaning on people. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And so I just was like, okay, proper care and feeding of husbands. If it says you got to have sex so that your man stays with you, I'll do that. Yeah. But, um, so we did that, but sex is not like that didn't keep him from having sin. That didn't keep him right. from the, the hook of the enemy, the lust that was still open. It didn't satisfy that. Well, he was right because it just shows how warped and mm-hmm. addictive that whole world is. It has nothing to do with you. Right. I mean, whether you were trying to you know, in your own walk, in your own journey, you were like, well, I want to be a good wife or, you know, I want to, you know, whatever. But that doesn't have anything to do with what he was doing. It just, yeah. The thing, and one thing, you know, that I think you've mentioned is that, you know, he was a good dad, like he was really involved and he was Mm -hmm. this and that. And, you know, you really didn't have any inkling, Mm -mm. you know? No. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. So he had done a really good job of spinning plates and telling lies and covering up mm-hmm. which is probably pretty exhausting for him but um but again it's like it's separate from him yeah ben was not sin and sin was not ben mm-hmm. so this sexual addiction and this issue with pornography was a different part of him and so he could be a good dad he was a amazing pastor just mm-hmm. totally, completely loved people, mm-hmm. truly. Yeah. And yet there was this secret, this undertow of just struggle. Because can you imagine the pain of, I want to be a pastor like the, I'm called to do this. I want to care for people. I want to be true and be a, a, a rightful guide. I love my family. I love my wife. She's having sex with me all the time. Yeah, <laughs> right, know? right. But yet here I am struggling with pornography. And so it's like, he just, he tried for so long to do that on his own, to just go to God and you know, forgive me and let's, let's yeah. pretend this never happened and I'm never going to do it again. And in your own strength, own strength, own strength. And um, it got worse and it worse, got worse and worse and worse. And, worse, and, worse. and so you have to let the light in. And so that's really on that fateful day where he confessed to me, he had just confessed completely to his other friends um, and the light was being shown. 
the mm-hmm. light was let in. And so when it was time to share it with the congregation and we shared it with our closest friends and we had supporters in Alaska that were sending us money because they knew they were planting a, we were planting a church and, um, you know, he shared it with them. And, um, it was hard for me to say anything cause I was just, like I said, so embarrassed about it, but he, he did most of the talking, which was rightfully so it was his issue. And I, um, I, I sat back and just regained trust actually, because he was so willing to share and let the light in that helped me to recognize that I could trust him. So that was a real key in rebuilding trust for him because he broke my trust, you know, big time, betrayed me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it hurt. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to minimize any of that. But I, at the same time, I had grace and I had understanding and perspective that this was not at the essence of who he was and that this was something that we could overcome together. Mm -hmm. And then with our community and with counseling, um, we began a process and there were some steps that we could take to be healed. Um, Forgiveness is a huge one. You know, I, I could tell him, okay, I understand what was going on and this all makes sense now. And he would say, sorry. I mean, he immediately asked for forgiveness. And I said, okay, I forgive you. But then walking that out is a whole nother thing. Sure. Um, but a piece of that forgiveness is not, forgiveness is not justifying and giving permission to what he did. Mm-hmm. But it's me literally releasing my judgment of him and saying, I am not in control of what happens to you next. Yeah. I, I hear the truth. You're asking me to forgive you. So I, I forgive you. You know, I accept your apology. And now I'm, I'm not going to control what happens next with you. So it was really up to him to continue to pursue his healing. That's an interesting way to say it because you hear a lot of people say forgiveness, like it's more for you than the person that you did it to or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But for you to say what that actually is, I mean, I, you just said that it was releasing judgment on mm-hmm. him. It was, mm-hmm. that was the forgiveness part. So you're, what you, you're saying, like what he did to you doesn't define you correct. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And if I have judgment towards somebody, I have a lot of opinions about them mm-hmm. and I have a lot of judgment is like, it's kind of weighty. If I'm judging you, I, I like have an emotional response. Like have you ever felt really judgmental towards somebody and like what they're wearing or what they're saying? And you're like, for me, it's like super emotional and you're like, Ooh, I can't believe they're doing that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so to release judgment is, I forgive you and I'm, I'm going to take this weight of um, my opinions about what you've done mm-hmm. and release them. And I don't want to carry it anymore because it would kill me. If I continued to harbor unforgiveness and continued to carry judgment towards him and what he had done to me, mm-hmm. that would continue my pain. Well, and that's one thing too, is that I went through a walk with a friend who went something similar, similar, but different than this. And we were seeking advice to a woman from a woman. And she said, cause she had, um, been through something and like she, the friend said, well, when am I going to be done mm. feeling upset about what happened mm. to me? Mm-hmm. When am I going to be done? And you know, when is this actually going to like be over? Because the person was so done with being in pain about what the other person did. Mm-hmm. for so long and it wasn't any you know and getting revenge and like mm-hmm. wanting the words and wanting the actions even weren't even really su- sufficing su- yeah. sufficing what was happening to her and she the lady said um she was like you will you will the pain will go away when you stop 
when you're when you're tired of it like mm-hmm. you get to that place where you're just like I'm done I'm released yeah. like I can't do this anymore yeah I let go I let go and so mm-hmm. that kind of translates to what you're saying maybe like releasing judgment like I'm just mm-hmm. done with it mm-hmm. is that kind of yeah. similar yeah okay. and that and I you know I would have waves of grief and waves of emotion well it doesn't and waves take the pain away sadness. yeah it doesn't take the pain away it's no. just your it kind of gives you a path for your actions mm-hmm. maybe yeah and I, I don't know I think the biggest way I can say it is just really like letting go of control. I think when you have forgive, um, unforgiveness, you feel like maybe you still have some control over that person or the situation, mm-hmm. but you don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so if I can forgive and I'm letting go of it, releasing the judgment, releasing the outcome, and I'm, I'm just going to forgive. And it's, I'm just going to sit in my pain and let it hurt, but I'm not going to judge you over it. Mm-hmm. That's you. I'm going to deal with me over here and just work on my own healing. Um, so with Ben, I do want to say when he confessed, I mean, he was done with it too. He had reached rock bottom and Mm -hmm. he was like, I have to let all the light in and I have to tell all the secrets. I cannot handle any more of these secrets. And then he took ownership of his sin. He, he said, I am so sorry that I have been doing this. I did this. I did this, you know, and he never once blamed me for it. Mm-hmm. because it wasn't my fault. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously it takes two to tango. There were definitely some dysfunctional pieces about our relationship as there are with everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all human beings with our own little quirks and things that we bring sure. into our relationships. And so for me, I, I wasn't one to communicate well. And so for sure that didn't help him ever wanting to try to confess to me or talk to me about it. Cause I wouldn't have been able to. So that didn't help. And then my independence, you know, like we already talked about, but, um, yeah, but like 98% of all this is a choice. Yeah. So there is that Mm -hmm. thing. So for him to take ownership allowed you guys to heal as well. Yep, exactly. Full ownership. Full ownership. Um, I have met, I want to say that because I knew I could be safe in that Mm -hmm. because he, like I said, took the ownership and confessed all. And then he had told some other people and we decided to go to counseling. So those things make you feel safe. And I, I feel like I need to say that because there could be a woman or man mm-hmm. in a relationship where somebody is confessing to you, your significant other might be saying, Hey, I'm struggling with this. But if they are not willing to share all and get down to the nitty gritty of the secrets and then go get help. And if they are at all saying, but you also, yeah. you know, I'm struggling with this, but you never, and you should have. And you always say if they're shifting blame, um, that's an indicator that they're not um, taking ownership mm-hmm. and that they probably have some more work to do. Because um, I would hate for a woman to be stuck in a relationship where her man is abusing pornography, um, lust, and there's that disconnect and separation between you and he's unwilling to take the steps. Take the steps, yeah. Because it's a long haul mm-hmm. of healing and, and trust building again. Yeah. Um, you can take steps, you know, mm-hmm. as the spouse, you could take your own steps towards healing and that could inspire the other person to come along. I, um, well, your worth is probably crap. Mm. You probably feel like crap. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you probably instantly feel like, well, some part, did you feel like, well, some part of me led this to this happening? Like maybe some people might react like, it's all your fault. You did this, you know, there's that mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. or there's the person that's just like, 
because your spouse did that, automatically feel like closed in, want to hide in a hole. I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Like what what did happen to our marriage? Why would he do that? Mm-hmm. Like what did I do for him to do that? Like what is it about me mm-hmm. that would have him do that? Like yeah. your worth just goes to crap. Mm-hmm. I would assume in assu- mm-hmm. assume in, assume <laughs> that that's maybe how someone would respond as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean I don't know. How was that for you? Like you know, just worth like figuring yeah. out your worth in that. Like, it's just, it's, it's hurtful. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, you can say it's addiction and that, and separate it that way. Yep. But also it's like it, the hurt and the grief of it. Like, how mm-hmm. does that, like you had to gain a trust. Like it's just, how did you feel? Yeah. Yeah. We, there are definitely women who take it personally because mm-hmm. it is pretty personal. Yeah. You know, if you're, um, if your husband's looking at having to look at other boobs because your boobs aren't good enough. Well, it's just like a thought that goes in your head. It's not the truth. It's not. So thankfully, um, I struggled with that just briefly. That but wasn't the main. That wasn't the main thing. And I knew, I mean, I, I was insecure. I definitely was insecure. I'd always dealt with insecurity as a female I don't know if there's one single female who's not. Yeah, I was gonna, about to say. I was like, um, we <laughs> are know. female. We are yes. human. Yeah. Um, we're of course. I of mean, of course. But I knew. I just knew this had nothing to do with me. Yeah, I knew this wasn't my fault. Right. Um. So my worth was. There was a temptation to allow that to be challenged by this situation. Like, am I worth this? Like, what did I do? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Yeah. Like in the stages of your grief. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, but those were short-lived for Amen me. Amen to that. So, yeah. And so that is that is definitely something I love to share with women is like this is not nothing to do with you and your value and your worth mm-hmm. as a woman, as a spouse. Um, for me, obviously, my foundation that I could really stand on was my faith in Christ mm-hmm. and just knowing that um, he... He loved me. The Lord was my first love. Mm-hmm. And then Ben came along. And so my firm foundation was built on Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody has that, but that's okay. I pray someday you'll get that because it's wonderful. It's amazing. It's the best feeling ever. Um, but at the same time, I think that you could, if you could identify that the sin is the sin and the, the issue, the struggle, whether you want to call it a sin or not, this addiction to pornography is is completely separate from you as a human being and your value and your worth. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't define you. Um, so thankfully, I just, I could pop up and above that. It was sad. And for a brief moment, I thought, man, what's wrong with me? But I didn't take that bait. I didn't run with that. Because that, that is a lazy, that's just lazy, I think. It's kind of a, um, it would be almost a coping mechanism in yeah. your healing process where you could just, kind of like roll up on the couch with that one and be like, Ooh, something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with me. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's mm-hmm. me. But that's actually, that's the, sh- that's like a shortcut. Like a, that's, that's just not it. That's not the actual issue. That would be a band aid almost yeah. of like, let me just medicate my wound with it's me. It's my fault. Well, and someone could say that and be like, you know, they want their marriage to work. So they, the person could mm. actually justify the action that the other person's doing because they want to make their marriage work. Yeah. Yeah. That, oh, that's really good. Whereas like you're saying, I think the thing, the word that stands out is that he took full ownership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in a dysfunctional relationship, 
I think, especially with addiction, um, alcohol, porn, the whole shebang is that, um, there's a codependence that can happen, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if the person is, you know, comes out and says something, you know, and the other person's like self blame, that is a coping mechanism to take forward and, and and carry the marriage and and the weight because Mm -hmm. you want the same result. You want to be together. You want da 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 da. So I'm going to fast forward that and move on. You know, you did your part. I did my part done Mm -hmm. and then live like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, then what? Right. Does an addiction replace an addiction or, you know, it's, it's not fully dealt with. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's interesting that, you know, that, that, the unhealthiness. I think w- one thing that you're saying too is like the counseling part of it. Mm-hmm. If your if your person is not taking full ownership, getting a third eye, mm-hmm. and yeah. someone's saying to you, "Listen, he needs to do this, and you need to do this," mm-hmm. it's super uncomfortable for somebody to not be codependent if they've been codependent. Yes, you were not sounding like you were like codependent. You know, I. I okay in my independence I actually was codependent we created some codependence because I was independent so Ben would just lean on me oops oh okay okay um so there was some codependence going on okay um but the word I'm hearing when we're talking about this is root like what is the root issue because you're totally right you could take that band-aid fix of like well it was my fault it was your fault it was my fault and then you just kind of yeah because you want you want to like not have this yeah yeah Maybe you really do love this person and it's uh-huh. like, well, you effed up. Okay, well, I've done some stupid stuff too. So let's just yeah, call it good and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, let's just <laughs> like, move on. Yeah, 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 yeah. But really there's some root issues going mm-hmm. on. Okay. And so what are these underlying root issues? Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's, that's what counseling did for us. Mm-hmm. That's also what then taking total ownership of it did. Also, I took ownership. I ended up because of counseling um, and you know, I I would like to think that maybe in my own mind, I would have taken some ownership too, but counseling helped that third party looking in and just kind of seeing, you know, I, it wasn't my fault, but I had a part to play. Like we're, we're both in a relationship here, like we're married. And Mm -hmm. so what part did I play in our dysfunction and in our disconnect? Because really that pornography, it created the, the disconnect in our intimacy and our connection in our, um, how we, commune together. And as a married couple, it's really so important that you are connected with each other in all ways. Yeah. Spiritually, emotionally, sexually, um, mentally. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think that counseling and and discovering the root issues and, and for Ben, you know, I don't know, he, he ended up realizing he had a lot of like people pleasing tendencies mm-hmm. where he just wanted to do everything right for people. And if he ever felt like he wasn't exactly the right person for people, that's when he'd become triggered and ha- he'd feel bad about himself. And so he'd have to medicate himself with pornography. Yeah. So he could pick himself up. Well, then he does that and feels really bad about himself. It's a, you know, it's that vicious cycle. It's bad, bad, bad cycle. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we had to identify what was the root, like what were the reasons why you were going to that? And then I had to recognize where was I, where were my triggers? Because I would just retreat if he felt bad or angry. Or... Well, there's a pattern built. Uh-huh. There was a pattern built because you were responding to like his lack of whatever caused you to respond of, well, this is what I'm going to do. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it rooted a pattern. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Read a pattern of you, re- you say retreat? Yep, retreat. I would just be quiet. I would, um, or if he was struggling, frustrated with anything, I would just take care of it. You know, if with work, we worked together mm-hmm. a lot of times. And so he'd have responsibilities or things that he needed to accomplish and he'd feel overwhelmed or I don't know whatever was going on. And that codependency thing, it's like, if he was happy, then I was happy. So if he was mad, I had to fix it so that he could be happy. So then I could be happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, that's a whole other podcast because, <laughs> because there is a lot of that just in regular issued marriages. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, I, yeah, I mean, that's definitely with Brian too. It's like, we can be around each other and it's like, I can feel his tension the most. He's mm-hmm. not even saying it. And yeah, it's yeah. like, I want to just like fix it. Yeah. Or you just get tired of fixing it and you're just like, okay, you just be you and I'm just going to be me and I'm just going to go bleh. Mm. And, you know, and it just, nothing's gets worked out or yeah. something, you know? Yeah, yeah, Or Or he's has tension, so now all of a sudden you have tension. And you're like, I don't even know what I have tension about, but... I know. We're going to carry this together. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But for you guys, it was like the elephant in the room with mm-hmm. this whole pornography thing. Mm-hmm. And so you developed a system around mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I think it's, I think it's really amazing that you say ownership. It's like... I think as a woman, it's like, oh man, I, you know, the, the fire fuels up in my body a little bit, just like in defense, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. that's just my like tendency, yeah, you know, to be very fiery like that. But I think it's awesome that you're, that you got to that place or that quickly, Mm -hmm. rather quickly of just like, okay, let's, you know, allowing yourself to feel Mm -hmm. the feels. Yep. What did that look like for you? Like feeling the feels? Yeah. Because you moved, I mean, let's, okay, the confession happened, Mm -hmm. then you got the community around you, you went to counseling, Mm -hmm. you know, you were quickly moving forward because he was taking ownership to it. So it was, you know, you wanted to forgive, you wanted to move on. Mm. How long did that take to restore what was broken? But also like, what did the grief process look like for you? Mm -hmm. That's really good. Um, You know, did your lens change? Like sometimes when uh, uh, trauma, I mean, it's a sense that you went through a trauma. Yeah. Um, It is a trauma Mm -hmm. that your lens changes. Mm -hmm. And so you put on a different lens and you're like, okay, this is my life now. I'm married to someone who cheated on me basically for 10 years. Yep. Yes, I do love them. Yes. You know, we have Mm -hmm. this history and blah, 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 blah. So you move forward in that way. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, these are great questions. Thank you for prompting me in these. Um, it was really difficult. Like I said, I was that independent person who was pretty, um, solid, but I also, I was not in touch with my emotions. And so for me, the grieving process was super duper important because I needed to feel what I was feeling. I needed to cry. I needed to be angry. I needed to say things. So Ben was really amazing. Here he was super duper vulnerable. So I had this picture of him handing me his heart. Like here's all my heart, all this like intimate stuff. And it's fragile. And Mm. the word vulnerability means open for attack. And so he's vulnerable, open for attack. And here I'm his wife. I could attack him because rightfully so. He did this, he did that, which caused us to get fired. Now we don't have money. We live away from our family. We just bought a house. We have three children to feed. We don't have an income. It's like this happened, you know, he got, he told you Wednesday, you got fired on Sunday or. Yeah. Well, we actually pretended to do church. We did church that Sunday. Okay. It was very strange. We got fired the next week. 
Okay. And thank God, because I wouldn't have wanted to fake another service. <laughs> okay. So you fake. Okay. So back to what you're saying. So yeah. Um, but yeah. So you had every right to. I would have had every right to say all the mean things. But here's what I needed to do. I needed to be vulnerable as well and hand him my heart. And he allowed me to do that. So what that looked like was I was sad. I was angry. But I didn't. I, I chose to not use it against him. So he allowed me to say things that were hurting me. Like I was just thinking about what you said you did that one time. I can't believe it. I was upstairs nursing our child. And here you were downstairs spending money that we didn't have so you could watch a thing, you know. So I, I, he allowed me to say really hurtful things. Right, because he's wanting to move on, but yet you're like undigging all the stuff that had but happened. I, I'm like still sorting it out. Totally, sure. I'm processing this. Mm-hmm. So he allowed me to process, but the only, I really guarded my heart against saying it to hurt him. I was mm-hmm. not trying to hurt him. I was trying to express what was going on inside me and say, this hurt me. So by me saying this hurt me, I wasn't trying to hurt him and I wasn't trying to use the words against him. And I think that's super important to know because if- Way important. If I would have just like thrown it back at his face and just with all my anger, which I rightfully could have done, um, you know, we wouldn't be in this situation if you wouldn't have. And you're such an idiot. I can't believe it. You know, all, all the things that I, I could have said and I could have had good standing for it. And he would have listened to it, but it would have drove him back. It would have regressed in our healing. We, it wouldn't have even helped me at all because I would have just been angry. So, which is why that lady probably was like, when is this going to be over it? Mm-hmm. When you're tired, when you are tired of it. Yeah. Yeah. When you're tired of being angry, taking it out and not just releasing it. So I would release the hurt by talking about it, saying, babe, remember that one time you went and helped that other lady when I was at home trying to hang curtains by myself because our baby was due, but you chose to go help somebody else. That really hurt my feelings. And then he had a chance to look at it and go, man, I'm so sorry. I, I just emotionally was caught up with this woman and just thought I'd, I really would rather go help her, <laughs> you know? And we were able to say stuff like that to each other. Wow. And it was like getting down to the nitty gritty emotion of the root. Mm-hmm. And so he could pause and recognize, man, that's what I was doing. I don't ever want to do that again. And I was able to say, that really hurt when you did that. Yeah. And I started to recognize, why did I just let you do that? And my feelings matter. Yeah. You know, but I'm not going to let the past haunt us anymore and let it steal from us. But I am going to let the light in to the past. So can you feel the difference in that? Um, This is word gold right here. Okay. (laughs) Um, Because I think that when you, when oftentimes when affairs had happened or, you know, this kind of stuff women that I talk to and men too, there's this thing where it's like the men, yes, they want to move on. They want to take ownership. But yet when the woman brings up the past, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like that person looks at it as like, well, we're not moving forward. You're just looking at the past. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting your verbiage on saying, you know, you acknowledging processing. Oh, so when you were doing this, when you were doing this, when it was this birthday, you were da, 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 Uh blah, blah, blah. And him being like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, you could yeah. have done that a million times, a gajillion mm-hmm. times. It wouldn't matter. He would be like, yep. man, I am so sorry. And that is what helped you? Yeah. Wow. It helped me. I mean, that's such such good advice because someone could say, quit blaming me. 
quit, you know, we're mm-hmm. moving on from this. Mm-hmm. But you were literally just like kind of needing like, do you see where I am and where I'm thinking in this? Because right. you did get some sort of validation from him. Oh, totally. And what you thought. And I, again, Can you give me another example? Because I sure. feel like this is good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, remember I was coming at it from a place of forgiveness too. So mm-hmm. I was releasing You were judgment. wanting to move on. I was wanting to move sure, on. Okay. I needed to get it out because here's the deal. If I kept it in me and if I wondered about it, I wonder what he was doing that one time he left at 11 o'clock at night and he said he was going to go hang out with the guys. Yeah. And so I, I had to bring it up and say, babe, remember that one time this was after confession. So we were already in this process of me, you know, sharing my hurts. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I could say to him, I, we had just moved here. I felt really vulnerable. You left at 11 o'clock at night and he didn't lock the door. I had to walk downstairs and lock myself in. So you left your family at night to go hang out with the buds. Did you, did you actually go hang out with the guys? Where did you go? You know, and so it was clarifying statements. And if I would have wondered and kept that festering inside me, I could have got bitter about it. Yeah. And I could have created my own answer in my mind. Oh, he probably went to go see that one girl. He probably, he did him and he doesn't even care. He didn't lock the door. He didn't care if, if they, if somebody came in and broke in the house and stole all of us, you know, I could have just let the monkeys run around in my mind. And so it, I knew that I needed to say it to him so that he could tell me the truth. Mm -hmm. I needed to hear the truth. So that old statement, the truth shall set you free. Yeah. And so that's what we were practicing is the truth will set you free. And so it was hurtful. It was, I don't know if hurtful is right. It was painful. It, it was painful for Ben to hear some of these things that I was having to process, but it was better that I got it out to let the light in mm-hmm. so that we could both move forward. Now, if I was just saying it in a hurtful way, like that's so different. Like your motive and your heart intent matters at this point. I was hurt. I was sharing my hurt, but I was not trying to hurt him. And yeah. he could sense that and he could feel the difference. So I was validating my feelings. I was allowing myself to feel. I was sharing them with Ben, which was being vulnerable. And my heart was mm-hmm. open, like saying, this really hurt. You never lock the door when you leave. You know, like silly things like that. Whereas like, Well, they're not silly when you feel that way. I mean, yeah, it's just. Totally. Yeah. And so that honestly, that now when he leaves and he locks the door behind him, I'm like, yeah, I can't tell you. So that's like a little thing that we discovered, like how special that makes me feel. Wow. <laughs> Just a silly little example because I know he's taking care of me and he's like, and he'll lock the, the handle and then he says to me, hey, babe, lock the deadbolt when I leave. And so I know that he really cares. Wow. Just, that is, that's, Heather's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I like to be taken care of. I'm not as fiercely independent as I thought, you know? Right. Yeah. That deadbolt. Woo. Woo. Yeah. Babe, yeah. That's great. Um, <laughs> so. You know, and those are those little things that we discovered through mm-hmm. communicating and through me opening my heart and through him being willing to listen. And so we were both vulnerable and that I could, I could let him share his details and his struggles with me, um, in the form of like, um, you know, through counseling, he was able to say to the counselor X, Y, Z, as far as like actual details, like I masturbated here. This was the site website I went to. And, and I was, I listened to these things because mm-hmm. I needed to know the truth Right. I need to know the truth. I did not need to know all of the, all of the details. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine that's different for everybody. It is different for everybody. Yeah. I, yeah. I have a, a good friend of mine who said, oh no, I want to know everything. Mm-hmm. And then I had another friend who literally was like, I, I don't want to know. You can tell me you struggled. 
I don't want to know the to to what extent, but but I will say that the the man the spouse needs to have somebody they're telling the details to. And I think Ben probably shared that, like using actual words of mm-hmm. masturbation, you know, pornography. Masturbation. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's so, such a funny story. I know. The French word. Yeah, you know, the French code. Word. Masturbation. <laughs> yeah. So, so funny. he expressed. So you just said that if someone needs to express something. Mm-hmm. If you, even if you didn't want to hear the details, yeah. that person needs to be telling somebody. Somebody the details. Okay. That's a, that's a key to confession. Yeah. Confession is just like forgiveness, letting people control. Confession is almost like what? Letting, yeah. Letting the control, letting the truth. It just does something. Mm-hmm. It just does something. Um, it's a release. Yeah. Right? It's letting the light in. Letting the light so, in. So, I mean, I mean, the Bible talks about this, but... Everybody else knows this too. I mean, if if there's darkness, and let's say it's a dark, damp room, and there's a nasty towel, a wet towel in the corner, and it just stays dark, it's. I mean, it's going to grow stuff. Yeah. But if you let the light in, you see the towel, and you go wash it. That's just. I don't know. I don't know why that analogy came to my mind, but it's. It's just a principle. It's just a fact. Yeah. That dirty, yucky stuff grows in the dark. It's amazing how much our minds want to justify or like logically walk ourselves out of that Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. it's you know what I'm not going to tell my spouse this because that person's going to get hurt and why would I want to hurt that person Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. why sometimes letting the truth in it hurts hurts. and it's going to blow up it's going to freaking blow up but it would Mm -hmm. but imagine if you didn't it would be worse yep it's just a slow mold waiting to happen oh yeah and that mold, I think this is a good analogy because the, mm-hmm. that towel, mm-hmm. I mean, I've known some neighbors around here who didn't realize they had mold in their house yeah. and were sick for like a year, oh did not gosh. know what was growing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. and then all of a sudden you go in, you fix it and it's just grown to this like, but you know, you can look at the person and the person's like, well, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't see the mold. I didn't know why I was getting sick so much. You know, yeah. it's like, it's amazing how mm-hmm. that festers, you well, know. And it goes back to the disconnect that we felt the in our very beginning. The very beginning. That disconnect. Mm-hmm. That secret, that that mold. It was an illness. Mm-hmm. It was causing a sickness between us. It was a disconnect, a void. And it was because of that secret. Mm-hmm. Um, secrets separate. So it could be an addiction to pornography. It could be a secret addiction to, um, I, I don't know why I'm, this just popped in my mind, but bulimia. Mm. Somebody could be dealing with an eating disorder yeah. and it's a secret. Yeah. It's going to cause a separation in your relationship with your closest people. It could just not even be your spouse. It could just be your children. It could be because you're trying to hide something. You're keeping a secret. Yeah. And so you have to be distant Mm-hmm. in order to keep the secret. And um, once we discovered how free we felt with letting the light in and then telling the truth, it was like that became addictive in such a positive way where we just, we refuse to allow secrets. Is that what anymore. you mean by the ruthless truth telling? Yes. So describe that. Yeah. Ruthless truth telling, annoying truth telling would be another way. Like uh-huh. um, even my son to this day, I would, <laughs> I went grocery shopping and I was feeling bad about the amount of money I spent. I don't know why. That's probably a whole nother podcast. Um, oh boy. But yeah, I've been there. Um, been there. Yeah. Like last week. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, I, I'm going to eat the food. Anyways, yeah, yeah. So I said I spent, oh, yeah, baby, you know, I got this, and it was on sale. It was like 20 bucks. Well, my son was with me, and he's like, Mom, why'd you say it was 20 bucks? It was 30. Oh. And I was like, well, you're right. I don't know. <laughs> 20 is easier to say. I don't know why. Right. Yeah, because yeah. it is. It's easier to say. 30 might just be, that's just too much. You just went overboard, you know? Right. You made a bad decision, and I didn't want... Anybody think I made a bad decision? So here I am trying to control the outcome, telling a little lie. I got a little secret. I spent 10 more dollars than it actually was. So immediately there's like this where I create the disconnect myself because I, I, you know, if I would have let that go and my son didn't catch me on it, I'm going to feel bad about it a little bit. I'm going to feel guilty. Now that's just where I'm at. Other people, other people might have a habit of telling lies and so you don't feel bad anymore. Yeah. And you actually, that's where Ben was at. He didn't even recognize anymore when he was telling lies. Like small little lies. Like a, a lie is a lie. I, oh, it's a, a partial a truth. It's a lie. Right. I only spent, I spent $20. You lied. You spent $29. Yeah. $29.99. Right. You should say it was 30 Right. Oh, well, it was just, it's just a little thing. It it's a lie. It was 30 minus a penny. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get exact here. <laughs> and so little things like that, we just, ruthless truth telling, we've just decided to do that. And sometimes it's uncomfortable because we all just want to do a really good job. We want to be really great in life and we want to make people happy and we want to get the high fives and I don't know. Yeah. I like feel good people, about things. And, and people that like exaggerate stories and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of gets, it just, I think in the end it just catches you in the butt. It does. You know? Um, yeah. I've definitely like had some experiences with that, that it's just not worth it. Mm-mm. But yeah, I mean, kids are good for that. Mm-hmm. They're real. They'll really get you the truth, you know. Yeah. And if you don't tell the truth, they'll tell somebody else. Totally. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's no hiding it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So you know, through this time, I mean, it's like you you found out, mm-hmm. got the confession. You've walked through this. You got the counseling. You you know you're you're stable now. How long mm-hmm. has it been now at this point? Yeah. Well, today, you know, it's been more than seven years. Wow. Um, it took, I actually kept a journal mm-hmm. during this time right after he confessed. I just, I started typing and writing, which I'm really thankful for. I look back at it. There's a lot of incomplete sentences and stuff, yeah. but I can capture pieces of my emotions. And I think it was about four months into healing where I said, okay, I am going to risk trusting him again. Mm. It's, it's risky, but I'm just going to make a choice and I'm going to tr- trust him and take a risk. Um, I had written a few months before that. I had said, you know, I just, I want to give up. I just don't want to do this anymore. I just life was hard in general. I wasn't talking suicide. I didn't even know what I meant, but I just was, you know, I just basically wanted to Maybe I was depressed, you know, I wanted to crawl sure. under the blankets and just, I don't just want to sleep forever. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, just overwhelmed. It's work. Overwhelmed. It's, work. Over- it's work. It's, you know, not only are we healing our marriage, but we're trying to get jobs. We're trying to raise kids. We're trying to um, live in a brand new town, new community, make friends. You know, it's just, it's a whole bunch all at once, you know. And, um, but I said, I don't want to do this anymore. And then if <laughs> I look back at a month after that, I say, okay. I actually, I want to start over. Let's mm. just start over. So that was better than wanting to quit. And then I, a I month start. after that, yeah, a month after that, I'm like, okay, I'm, I choose to risk. I choose to trust him. 
And so that's kind of a, a display of my emotions. And, and you have to grieve. You know, I had to grieve this thought that we had a perfect marriage. I, now my story is betrayal. That was not my plan. Yeah, that's a big one. You know? That's a big one. I We were loved and we had helped counsel people. You know, we had only been married 10 years, which, you know, that's more than five, I guess. So we yeah. were teaching people, you know, we do some premarital counseling just here well, and there. You had and, three kids at that time, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of, um, you know, stuff to go through with yeah. having that many kids yeah. at once. Yeah. It's true. So anyway, so I, I grieved. I grieved that. I grieved um, the story I thought I would have. I I grieved just this persona. I grieved um, all kinds of things, but I grew in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. And so grief for me was um, actually I have like this little devotional I ended up writing out. But there's four stages of grief. This isn't me. This is this is just standard. The four stages of grief. There's the denial phase. Mm-hmm. There's the anger phase. There's bargaining. Like if we could just, you know, forget this ever happened, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then there's sadness and then there's the acceptance. So I guess there's five stages. So, you know, I busted through quite a few of them. The angry part, I, I pushed through pretty quick. Um, denial, I couldn't deny it. Ben was so transparent, let all the light in. So denial, we busted through with all the truth telling. Um angry. I just, I was able to forgive him pretty quick because he took ownership. Um, also with understanding that my firm foundation was in Christ and that I was worth more Mm -hmm. and my worth was not found in my husband. Right. Um, and then the bargaining, I, you know, I, I did wish that I could have done something different, but Ben had a slogan of win the day, like let's be present in the moment. Today is the day that we're going to focus on. Mm-hmm. And today, you know, in Ben's mind, he was like, today I'm going to be a good dad. Today I'm going to not look at pornography. Today I'm going to overcome my thought life. Today I'm going to be positive. You know, those things for him. And for me, it was like, okay, today I choose to forgive. Today I'm going to be forward thinking. Today I'm going to be positive. Today I'm going to love my husband. You know, today I choose to ha- trust him. So it was like being present in those moments. And so that helped through the bargaining phase of grief. And then um, finally being sad, I just... I needed to be sad. I needed to just allow the emotions to come. And so for me, the the sadness was not, you know, I mentioned maybe being depressed in the beginning, but um, there's a difference between depression and then just allowing the tears to come and heal. So it's, it's a yeah, releasing. Yeah. I, I would say that that is a, like, what is that difference? What is the difference? Okay. Um, for me, it it has a lot to do with your mindset behind it. Got it. I think depression is something all to itself. It can be, that is a real thing. I don't want to downplay that at all. Mm -hmm. I know people that really do genuinely struggle with that. Um, And I, my heart goes out to them. But for me, when I was crying, it was grief and I was letting it out Mm -hmm. and I was letting go just like almost like that forgiveness and releasing judgment. I was releasing my opinions over the situation. I was, um, just allowing myself to be sad, allowing myself to imagine life moving forward, imagine what it was, what it wasn't, you know, and you're just crying it out. And um, I would say, you know, that took a, a little while and there would be waves of that that would come. I would be okay for a while and then it would come and Ben would just allow me to have those moments. Were there, it was it like, what did it look like? It was, was it like, you know, I'm just having a moment right now. Can I just mm-hmm. go? on a walk or can I just go? Yeah. For me, I, we had a little closet. I would go in the closet. Okay. And I just, 
had a pile of blankets in there and would just get to my knees and just cry it out. Um, it did also look like, um, you know, Ben's a social butterfly. And Mm -hmm. so he, I remember distinctly one time we had dinner plans to go to somebody's house and we needed friends. So that should have been a good thing. Um, but I was like, I can't do it. I just can't go. I can't do it. And he was like, okay, I'm going to let you feel. Yeah. And I needed that time and I needed to feel safe, um, and not just put a mask on and push forward. Yeah. So that's, I think the difference is I could sense that I needed, this was a tool, this was a moment that was going to move me forward rather than a, a sad cycle of just And that's being something stuck. that you have to do that Ben couldn't have done that for you. You really right. had to yeah. do that for yourself Yeah, more or less. They're not going to. For sure. What, um, how do you feel today? So that was seven years ago. Yeah. Now you're up to today. Now it's mm-hmm. like, okay, what are you up to now? Yeah. Where is it taking you now? Oh my gosh. I am incredibly thankful. Today, we are both totally different people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really is funny to look back and I can see myself almost often a distance. I'm a different person. It is not even me anymore. I think with personal growth, with us getting to the root of the issues mm-hmm. um, and then being in a community of believers and, and fellow people who are also growing in their faith and, and people who are committed to um, telling the truth, committed to just being re- authentic. Yeah, that's a really good word. Being authentic. That really can propel you forward in life mm-hmm. and allowing because authenticity allows you to be ugly and then recognize you're ugly and be like, all right, I need to change. And then allowing yourself to learn how to change, you know? Well, it's a bold step. Yeah. It's a bold step, Christian or not. I mean, right now, as we speak, Ben Ben's podcast is out there and mm-hmm. it's like, porn almost ruined my life you know here's this guy standing there like (laughs) not many people can do that Uh or would do that you know and so you're using your story to it just it's so it's so freeing for a lot of Mm -hmm. people and just you know to see where you're at yeah yeah you know be like well we got through that you know and you actually really love each other Mm -hmm. and there's trust there again yep and there was two willing participants Mm mm-hmm and now you're helping other people mm-hmm. and yeah. So, I, yeah. you know, that old saying, uh, your mess will be your message. Yes. <laughs> that is one thing that keeps coming up in my yeah. life right now is especially with doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like life is messy. Yep. And everyone's got it. Everybody's got it. Oh man. I, I have to say one more thing yeah. it, with us going through this, which, you know, just poo hitting the fan is what I call it. It just was <laughs> bad. Yeah. You know, um, you begin to, my critical spirit of other people mm. just died because I, like I said, I had this ideal picture in my mind of what our life was. And when you realize it isn't, you're like, Oh, and you really maturity hits and you're like, man, Everybody does have a story and everybody is a little screwed up. Yeah. Even me, you know, right. I think you kind of almost have to hit your own poo to realize. Yeah. And, you know, some people's poo is less than others before they realize that they're kind of messed up. Um, they're, they're constipated. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it finally comes out. Um, it, it ain't pretty. It ain't pretty and it smells. But I yeah. remember distinctly there was this lady at, um, it was when we lived here in Portland and this was before Ben's confession. So within the seven months of living here and she, I knew her through my kids' school and I just looked at her and I, I, I try to make eye contact and smile at people. I'll just always try to be nice, right? And this lady would not smile at me. 
And I just remember being like, what is wrong with her? Right. You know? And then I go through this life altering situation and I'm at the grocery store and people are making eye contact with me and I'm, and smiling and I cannot smile at them. I have nothing to smile about right now. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to feed my kids with this $10 bill, you know, and that's extreme. I think I had probably more than that, but, um, it just hit, hit, hit me. Like you never know what somebody's going through. Yeah. And that woman who couldn't smile at me, I mean, her life might've been in shambles, right? She had no reason to smile at me and she couldn't, you know? Yeah. And so then my heart goes out and my critical spirit of like, what's wrong with her? What yeah. a bitch, you know? It's right. Like, yeah. Like, or maybe you need to give her a hug. You know? Right. Like, it's amazing. Like when you make that step too, of just like going out of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. you know, and being like, you know, especially raising teenagers, it's like, all, they're all about their comfort zone. Mm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's 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 actually life or death for them in yeah. their comfort zone. That's true. <laughs> you know? Oh. So it's like, you know, I told um, I told my son the other day, I was just like, if you go sit at a different table, I'll give you a whole bag of Reese's. Yeah. Like a yeah. whole bag, the whole shebang. You just go do it. Come uh-huh. on. You can do it. You, you can, can do, do it. it. You know, like. Did he do it? I don't know. I'm about okay. to find oh, out here yeah, pretty okay. quick. But yeah, it's like, it's, it's it's all it's so self yeah it's we can be so self you know Mm -hmm. and if you can look at a teenager teenager and be like they're they're worried about lunch time you Mm -hmm. know and so you know they're you know it's like I don't want to worry about lunch time yeah you know what I mean I'd rather look stupid how do you Uh explain that to a teenager that's a whole different podcast but but really (laughs) what do you have to lose right you know what do you Mm -hmm. have to lose I mean um a lot of people ask, uh, how do you get people to come on the podcast? Mm -hmm. They don't just show up on my doorstep people. (laughs) Okay. People don't just walk up and be like, Hey, I'll be on your podcast. You know, um, there's a lot of like boldness that happens Mm -hmm. of just like, you have nothing to lose. So whatever it is that Mm -hmm. grab someone and get support and continue forward. That was just a different yeah. Thing. But yeah. Anyway. Well, I think, I think that plays into all of this because the reason I'm on your podcast is I'm recognizing that telling the truth brings freedom. Yeah. And so even when I share my story with you and all these listeners, I am getting freedom, but hopefully you are too. Yeah. As the listener. And then, um, like you said, what do you have to lose? And we all need each other. We mm-hmm. need community. We yeah. need to hear what each other's struggles are. We need to actually recognize that while like the teenager who's stuck in their comfort zone and they're like, I mean, I, I know I have teenagers too, that they, you know, that they're so insecure and they're thinking everybody's looking at them, mm-hmm. but really everybody's thinking that. Yeah. So nobody's looking at anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so really we're just teenagers walking around. Yes. And we're concerned about ourselves it's and yeah. everybody's concerned about themselves. So anyway, um, I guess I, that is one of my passions is to help other people and to share my story and bring some kind of freedom. Also pornography. I hate it. I hate it. I hate mm-hmm. it. It is from the pit of hell. Yeah. And it's, I'm not saying that from a prude standpoint. It's just, it stole intimacy from me and yeah. my husband. Mm-hmm. It stole from me and I will not allow it to steal from my children. Mm-hmm. And I hope to be a voice of sanity that declares what pornography actually does um, I'm not speaking against any person who is in that pornography industry. Mm-hmm. I love them. Mm-hmm. I just know that it destroys, it kills. And um, so if I can bring awareness, because I didn't even know, like I said, I was clueless as to the dangers of pornography. I didn't understand what it was. Right. And that the the 
the images, it's not just like sitting down watching a movie. Like it's conjuring up, pornography is conjuring up an emotion and some feelings and, um, you know, arousal that was meant for the marriage bed. Yeah. And so just automatically it it creates a distance. And so I just, I hate it. So I, I love to share that whenever I can. And just, I believe that the more we are able to talk about it and kind of normalize the conversation, yeah, the more people will know about it and, and perhaps lives will be changed and marriages will be saved. I, I do believe that it can be a root issue for a lot of marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the reason somebody turns to pornography, that's another root issue. But if you can identify that there is a secret of pornography use or a past use of it that's causing shame for mm-hmm. somebody, right. that, that shame then is the thing that's separating. Yeah. So yeah, like someone might not be completely addicted to it, but right. it has caused something in their marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to say anybody who looks at it is addicted. That's, I mean, there's definitely some different, um, it doesn't help levels there, but I, yeah, yeah. There's, it's a hard to navigate all that, mm-hmm. but it's always worth looking into your relationship, looking inward yeah. and being like, what are, what am I benefiting from this? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, if, if I'm allowing my husband to go to a strip club, what am I, what am I benefiting from that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian or not, you know, right. um, you know, what is the benefit of porn in my marriage? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what it does to like 89% of the population right? and it's, and it hurts. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if this helps too, it's like thinking about the people making so much money off of what you were watching mm-hmm. it. That is a good thing to be like, why? Ooh, yeah. I hate that. I don't like being controlled. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm being manipulated right now. Yeah. Like yeah. someone is getting off on me getting off. Yeah. <laughs> Like that, <laughs> let's just, yeah, that, like that's not cool. Uh-uh. You know, I mean, there's so many aspects that you could just bring to light in that whole mm-hmm. regard, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, take a, take a good look at ourselves and evaluating and Heather, you're a great resource. Um, if yeah. there's anyone I could just pass on, if someone wants to talk yeah. to you, I'm assuming that they can just reach out to you. And, yeah, absolutely. I would love that. I just um, normalizing yeah. the conversation, normalizing that there's nothing you can say, that has not really been said already, but chances are you might need to just say it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Heather, thank you for being um, th- such an important part of this podcast on the part three. Um, I think yeah. this is probably the lead up to what a lot of women, especially and men mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. want to see and hear about your side and all that. And um, thank you again. Yes. And it was so great to talk. Yeah. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to This Topical Life with Tiffany Murphy. Available through Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play. Look for us on Instagram and Facebook. Donations to help support This Topical Life can be made through Patreon at patreon.com front slash thistopicallife. Likes and comments are always appreciated. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time for more Real Conversation. Real exploration, real life stories on this topical life, because life ain't a vacation.